Philippians 4, chapter 10. I mean, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 through 23. We are in the last chapter, the last section of the book of Philippians or the letter to the Philippians. And I'm just excited to finish this out. And there's a lot of good stuff in here. We're going to talk about contentment. We're going to talk about uh, church finances. We're going to talk about uh, ministry. We're going to talk about um, just all, all sorts of things we find here in this and, and how how great of a church, how giving of a church the Philippian church was. So uh, let's just go ahead and read this and um, let's get into it. Chapter 4, verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with a little, I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send your greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. For it is by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God. Ephesians 2.8 Welcome to Grace Bond Ministries. Okay, so let's jump in here and let's talk about the very last section of Philippians. All right, so uh, just to update on the podcast, we're working on the Infertility Podcast. I mentioned the last episode and uh, just got a couple other podcasts in the works. So um, but listen, we're also looking for people who also want to join on the podcast. So if you have a, something you want to share, specifically, we're looking for people who um, are trained in, in some of these matters and theology and stuff like that, because uh, we don't want to put somebody on here and, and embarrass anybody. We don't want to put somebody on here and just, you know, think they know what they're talking about. But they really don't, you know, uh, what we are looking for is people with different views that are well studied um, or decently studied and uh, just just people who are willing to share their testimony as well. All right, so if you're any of those people, um, and anybody can share their testimony, so if you're one of those people, you want to share your testimony or something like that, let me know. Email us at gracebombministries at gmail.com, and uh, let's talk about it. All right, so we're on the last lesson on Philippians, um, and in the last lesson in, in chapter 4, uh, we looked at the, the fight uh, between Yodi and Syntyche, um, and we also looked about worry, worked, learned how to deal with worry and anxiety as a Christian, uh, and how Christ can fix our worry and anxiety, all right? Uh, so now he's closing out this letter, all right? He's closing out this letter, and what we're going to see is there's basically a thank you card for the Philippian church, um, and, and because the, the, they supported Paul while he was doing mission work. Uh, and uh, so we're going to see about what a giving and, and church finances and 
um, and a couple other things, contentment, uh, lots of lots of different things we're going to see here in this end of the letter. Uh, and, and also, too, it's always just interesting to me, uh, beside the theological stuff, just the practical way Paul talks to people uh, that he cares about, that he appreciates. All right, so Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. Let's go ahead and start with verse 1 again. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, because once again you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. Uh, you ever been concerned for someone, but you just weren't really sure what to do? I know that happens to me a lot, especially being a minister, you know. I'm concerned for a lot of people all the time. I mean, it's it's part of being a minister. It's just part of the, the gift that God has given us. He's put on our hearts to just always care about people and care for people. Uh, but sometimes it feels like they just don't know what to do. You know, maybe the Philippians are like, listen, we care about Paul. We're just not really sure what to, how to help him. How, how can we help him? What, what can we do? I mean, um, especially in a poor church. We're going to talk about it here in a second. But uh, But think about that, though. How could we show concern for others? For me, you know, uh, and some people probably think I'm kind of weird, but I just I just text people every once in a while. I say, "How you doing?" You know, or uh, as people I'm closer with, I'll call. You know, or whatever. Just check in on people. Say, "How are you doing?" Just say, "Hey, listen, I wanted to pray for you or pray with you, uh, real quick. Can we do that?" You know, uh, maybe that's some ways we could learn how to help people. That, that's one of the things I struggle with is prayer. I just I just uh, I think theologically I'm having some issues with prayer, and so. Uh, praying with people is something that I often neglect, and I think it would be very powerful just to stop and pray with somebody. And, um, and uh, you know, I think it'd be powerful just to stop and pray with somebody and just show them, hey, not not that I'm trying to, you know, get something from them or anything like that, just just to let them know, hey, I'm concerned for you. Um, and, but Paul, something they did, in some way they treated Paul, they knew, in fact, he, he knew, in fact, that they were concerned about him, but they liked the opportunity to show it. He knew that they were concerned about him. Um, so they wanted to find some way to help him. You know, and, and during this time, there were philosophers, and uh, they would dress up. And philosophers, especially during that time, uh, you didn't have to be the smartest cookie in the batch, you know, uh, to be a philosopher. But uh, <clears throat> if you just knew how to use your words wisely and that sort of thing, these guys would dress up like philosophers, go around and convince people of stuff, and then they would uh, basically get people to give them money. Um, as they were doing that. And Paul never wanted to be accused of soliciting people for money like these philosophers were doing. He never wanted to be accused of that. And so he was always very careful how he dealt with money, how he, how he got money, and uh, even how he handled it, you know, who took it, who, who, who distributed it, and that sort of thing. He was very careful with that. Uh, in one verse, I'll, I'll just read this one, and some of the other verses we'll flip to on, on the screen, but um, in this one is 1 Corinthians 9.12. It says, if others have this right to receive benefits from you, don't we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right. Instead, we endure everything so that we will not hinder the gospel of Christ. Uh, so Paul, Paul was always very, very careful. And the reason he was careful is he didn't want it to hinder the gospel of Christ. That's why I think all churches and pastors, especially and church leaders, you need to be very, 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 very open about how money is handled, how money is spent. Make sure there's always accountability. Make sure there's always multiple hands in the pot, if you know what I mean. Uh, you know, make sure there's a, some a lot of people involved because you don't want to, uh, you, you don't want anything to hinder the gospel. You don't want anything to hinder the church. This message. All right. So he says, in verse eleven. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. Um, so he says he didn't need this financial gift from the Philippian church or whatever all of it was. I mean, it may not have just been that. We know it wasn't just that because they also sent Epaphroditus 
uh, to aid him as well. Uh, but, you know, how many, you think about our needs and wants, right? How many of us have just this long list of things we quote unquote need, you know? Uh, you know, we have this long list of things we think we need, but I mean, how do we, you know, we got to determine what's the difference between the, our needs and what we actually want. You know what I mean? Because uh, I think oftentimes we can, uh, <clears throat> we can say that we need something when in reality we don't just need it, we want it, right? Uh, so there's a big difference there. And he says he doesn't say this stuff out of need. Um, and so, but he, he says, uh, he says he's learned though to be content in whatever circumstances. So it's not that Paul didn't even need these things. It's just that he's learned to be content no matter what. Um, and we'll look at that here at verse 12 here in just a second, but, uh, let's stop for a second. What does the word content mean? Uh, really what it means is to be during that time it meant to be self-sufficient. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it but. For a Christian, though, it really doesn't mean to be self-sufficient. It means to be sufficient in the Lord, which we all know this was such an important part of the Philippian church. Uh, hold on just a second. All right, sorry about that. Um, so he talks about being content, right? So he talks about being content. He says, uh, uh, in content, it's just, you know, saying we, we're fine, right? It's not that I don't or wouldn't like to have more. It's not that I don't or wouldn't like to have less. It's, it's just that I'm, I'm fine that I'm given what I've been given at this point, you know, be content in whatever circumstances we find ourselves. And that's something we need to ask ourselves all the time. Am I, am I being content right now? You know, cause sometimes we see something somebody else has and then we envy it and then we're not content. We feel like we need something else. And I'm, I'm convinced though, if, if a person is not content in the circumstances they're in now, there are going to be no circumstances where they're finally content. You know, you got to be content where you're at. Um, and we'll, we'll get to that here more in just a second. But uh, so th I think there's two choices, though, for wealthy people, as far as contentment goes and as far as finances go. I think there's two choices, and we see it in two different parables. The first one is in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30, verses 14 through 30. Let me go ahead and pull that up. And um, <clears throat> Matthew 25, 14. Let me pause this and get it to go a little quicker. All right, so Matthew 25, 14 through 30. This is the parable of the talents. Um, and we're going to see here how these guys spend their money, spend their talent, uh, this, their, their money. Uh, it says, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. Then he went on a journey immediately. The man who had received five talents put them to work and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned the man with two earned two more. Uh, the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, "Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more talents." His master said to him, "Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy." The man with two talents also approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. The man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. His master replied to him, You evil, lazy servant. 
If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers, and I would receive my money back with interest when I returned. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So there's a couple things you can learn from that parable. Uh, but as far as our study of Philippians go, what I, what I wanted to bring that up for is I think there's two choices of wealthy people. One, you can be like these, these the, at least the two uh, the two men. You can you can use your money and, uh, you know, just use your money and, and get more. You know, you don't have to. You can be content to say, you know, this is what I have. This is, you know, uh, but there's I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, spending your money wisely, uh, investing or, or, you know, working hard or that sort of thing to get more money. It's that when when serving your master is the difference. Right. Uh, because those guys did it and they wanted to serve their master better. And the guy who saved his money, <coughs> you know, and and didn't make any more money didn't you know there's a lot of things he's trying to teach here but um you know there's a difference in how they handled the money so i'm thinking about these two guys and how they they used what god had given them and and uh the 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 servants used what the master had given them and doubled their money you know so that's important uh, but there's also another way and kind of more evil way to to uh, use money and even abuse money really um, and this is found in the beginning of Luke 16, <clears throat> not the uh, not the hell part uh, about the you know, description of, of the rich man and Lazarus and the rich man's in hell. Uh, but at the beginning of that chapter, there's another parable that's given. So let's take a look at that. All right. So Luke 16, starting in verse one. Now, he said to the disciples, there was a rich man who received an accusation that his manager was squandering his possessions. So he called the manager in and asked, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you can no longer be my manager. Then the manager said to himself, what will I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I'm removed from management, people will welcome me into their home. So he summoned each one of his master's debtors. How much do you owe my master? He asked the first one. A hundred measures of olive oil, he said. Take your invoice, he told him. Sit down quickly and write fifty. Next, he asked another, how much do you owe? A hundred measures of wheat. He said, take your invoice. He told him, write down 80. The master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd than the children of light in dealing with their own people. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of worldly wealth, so that when it fails, they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. So if you have not been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with what is genuine? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despised the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So what we see in this parable uh, is this manager, this money manager, he knows he's going to get fired. And so what he does is he kind of uses the power, this this power that he realizes he has. He says, well, I can go back, clear these accounts, give these guys discounts for this guy with this guy's money and his finances. So he's screwing the guy he's managing the money for, but he's helping himself because, and these other people, because then once his manager, once he's actually fired as a manager, then he can go to these people and they'll welcome him into their home. So there's a way to use money for power and there's a way to use money for bad things. Um, but there's also a way to be a good steward of your money. 
And like, like he says here in this parable and in the other parable, whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. Excuse me. Whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. So there's nothing wrong with being rich. It's how you handle your money. That's the key, right? That's the key. Uh, so those are the two choices, I think, of people, all right, uh, of, of wealthy people. So let's go back here to Philippians chapter 4, um, and let's see, we are in verse, uh, we're going to be starting back on verse 12, all right? So let's flip back there real quick. Okay, so Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. It says, uh, so let's look at 12 and 13. So this is where it is. This is the key to contentment right here. Uh, he says, I know both how to make do with a little. I know how to make do with a lot. In any circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. All right. So he knows how to make do no matter the circumstances that he's in. And if you know the circumstances of Paul, you know that he was in some pretty severe circumstances. There was times where he was starving, times when he was thirsty without drink, um, there, there's times for a lot of different things. Uh, he knew how to do. He knew how to get by with with very little. He knew how to get by with very well, a lot. He knew how to get by if he was well fed or if he was hungry, if he was in abundance or need. And so I think honestly, if a lot of us ask as Christians, are we as contented as Paul? I would think most of us probably end up having to honestly say no. Uh, no, I'm not as content as Paul. I don't, I don't know if, if, I mean, if I lost my house, you know, and all I had was like a one bedroom apartment with a tiny kitchen and, you know, uh, I don't know how well I would do, you know, and even right now, I mean, I've got, it's me and my wife and my baby and technically we're in a one bedroom apartment right now. And it, it's very difficult to be content. It's very difficult because, you know, you always want something bigger. You want some more space. You know, we've got a storage unit. We've got stuff sitting all over the place that we don't have anywhere to put because the place is so small. You know, and we just don't, we, we have to learn how to be content, even when we don't have a lot. We've got to learn to be content. Um, and I think Paul was was very good at this. But the key, though, is verse 13, the, the famous verse everybody uses that is always taken out of context. Because it's about how to make do with when you have little and when you have a lot. Not so you can win a football game, but how to always make do. And But it's the key, though. Is he able, he's able to do all things. How? Through him who strengthens me. So the only way he actually can be content is because his strength comes from Jesus Christ. He finds his strength in Jesus Christ. And then so you think about how different that is from the world. I mean, where do you find your strength now? I mean, I've got, I know people that, you know, they, they find all their joy and stuff in pleasures in worldly things. So they find their strength as a person. They find it in, am I financially stable? Right. And there's there's a there's a there's a Bible talks about being financially stable, too. But, you know, am I financially stable? Do I have a nice enough house? Is my family OK? Am I embarrassed when I go in public? You know, whatever. Um, they kind of set the standard that they want to reach. Right. But as Christians, our strength comes from Jesus Christ, our contentment, our joy, our happiness. Everything comes from Jesus Christ. So let me let me open up one of these verses here. Uh, another passage for you. This is Second uh, Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. So let's open that up here and let me read it for you. Uh, all right, so 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. This is what it says. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So this is Paul writing here. 
So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And to a, uh, a worldly, secularist, uh, non-Christian, when they read that, they're going to say, well, that sounds stupid, right? But as a Christian, we know that if we, if we when, when we're at our weakest, you know, we never know Christ is all we need until Christ is all that we have. Whenever we are weak, that's when we are our strongest, because we have to, we have to, uh, so we have to, we have to focus so much on God. Uh, we have to focus so much on Jesus. We have to have Jesus in order to get through those difficult circumstances. In order to get through those those circumstances, we're just weak, we're tired, we're exhausted. We're not really sure what to do. We have to put our faith and our trust um, in Jesus Christ. All right. So let's let's flip back here. We're going to look at verse fourteen now. Uh, verse 14, it says, Still you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. All right, so uh, even, though, even though Paul's always content, he says, though, um, even though I'm content and I'm, I'm okay if I have a lot, I'm okay if I have a little, uh, they did a good job in helping him. All right, so they didn't cause his troubles, they didn't fix his troubles, um, but they shared his troubles when they gave to him and to, to the ministry that he was trying to do. Um, they didn't cause his troubles. They didn't uh, completely fix his troubles. They just faced his troubles with him. Uh, and I think I think the way he handled it made it to where they felt like they weren't just giving it to Paul, but they were giving it more so to Jesus Christ. Right? They were giving it more to Jesus Christ when they gave Paul money. Uh, you know, you ever you ever just you know when you when you're sitting and talking to somebody and they're talking about their struggles or whatever they're going through, you ever just felt it? You know, I I have a gift of of empathy where uh, sympathy and empathy, but where I can, it's like I can actually feel the emotions that other people are feeling. And it helps me to really relate better to them, um, especially if I've been through something very similar. You know, when somebody loses a loved one, they, you know, they love dearly, you know, I can connect that with when I lost my mom and how it changed, you know, how it changed me and all that. Um, <clears throat> and what I could feel, it's like I can feel what they're going through. And I think that's what they did for the, for, for Paul here. Um, so we got to think about this too, though. So how can we be content, but willing to earn more money or position or whatever, you know, as we think about contentment in our lives, you know, like, like right now where I'm at financially, you know, I can survive, but I'm, I'm not, uh, I wouldn't consider my financial status healthy. Um, and part of it has to do with how I manage my money, but part of it just has to do with, I just don't have enough money to save for retirement. I don't have enough money to save for this or that. And, 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 buy some of the things that I need, um, but I have enough to survive. I have enough to get by. So I'm content, but I'm also working hard to get out of that slump where we are we are more financially stable, right? So paying off debts and getting the debts paid down and credit cards paid down, that sort of thing. So, you know, screw, you know, fixing some of the bad decisions I made financially in the past, you know? Um, so I'm not, I'm content where I'm at, but I'm also seeking, I'm also seeking to be Better financially, so you know I'm doing all sorts of things to to help that uh, to make that happen. And I think it is. I think it's possible to be content yet pursuing something better, right? And the problem is 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 where your heart's at. You know, it, let's say you're pursuing something better and it fails. You know, if if you're so distraught, you're right. You're just so distraught. You just feel like you can't go on anymore. Well, maybe you're not content where you're at. Maybe you're not happy. And I promise you that if you'll just be content and be content in the Lord then uh, you're, you're, you'll just have a lot more peace, quiet, you know, and you can enjoy life a little better if you're not just always seeking something else. 
Um, so let's look at verse 15. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except for you alone. Um, so no other church, this is, this, is, this is sad, no other church participated in the giving and receiving except for Philippi. And uh, you're probably thinking, well, maybe the Philippian church, well, maybe they were just had a lot of money. And so they were able to, to participate, but the other churches weren't. Actually, the Philippian church was the poorest of all the churches. Uh, they were the poorest of all the churches. Um, and, and not only that, when they gave, they weren't just giving to Paul. Paul was also giving to other persecuted Christians, specifically ones in Jerusalem. We read about in Acts, but there were Christians in Jerusalem who were persecuted and, and didn't have any money because they were all let go of their jobs. Their families wanted nothing to do with them. So we, there were some suffering Christians in Jerusalem, uh, mostly Jews who became Christians. Um, <clears throat> And they needed money, so he was getting money for himself because he had to eat. He had to survive to do his mission work, uh, but he also was taking this money back to Jerusalem. So, uh, and the Philippians, though, they were poor. And we know this because in 2 Corinthians 8, uh, chapter 1, and, uh, verses 1 and 2, it says, We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. Right, That's where Philipp Philippi is. During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and, and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. And uh, so the Philippian church was poor. Uh, we also have read in this in this book that they were persecuted. We know that they were divided on certain issues like with Yodi and Syntyche and uh, just some of the stuff Paul said that there was a lot of division in this church. Yet they gave. They gave to this mission work. Uh, if you're at a church and your church is not giving at all to missions, you need to rethink some things. Um, <clears throat> I know our church is giving to missions. I just don't know if we're, how how uh, how much emphasis we're putting on it. I think there's, there could always be a lot more emphasis put on missions. Um, so be very careful of, of a church. You know, you really want to see what's going on in a church. You you ask for that financial report and say, can I see last month's financial report or the budget for the year? You know, and you can kind of see where the money's going. You know, if they're willing to pay a pastor, if they're willing to pay a youth pastor, if they're willing to do this and that, and they're willing to buy new equipment for music ministry, if they're willing to uh, donate food and stuff, um, <clears throat> you know, if they're willing to do that kind of thing, uh, then they're, they're probably a good church, right? So you can see all that in a financial report. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my need several times. So it's something they did often. They didn't just do this one gift. They did it all the time. They wanted to help Paul. They wanted to participate in what Paul was doing. Uh, and that's another thing, too. When you think about how poor the Philippian church was, you know, I mean, I'm sure y'all would probably agree with me that I, th I think it's easier. I think it's easier to appreciate money more when you have less. Uh, when you when you're desperately in need for money, when you're wondering if you're going to pay your bills and that sort of thing, uh, I think it's easier to appreciate money when when you have less than if you have more, right? And that's the leg goes for just about anything, really. Um, so, anyways, verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. Uh, so, you know, the, in Philippians we talked about it a couple times, uh, but when when we show Christ in us outside of us so like when we're showing Christ to others and that sort of thing it's like it's increasing to our account our confidence in Christ our confidence in our salvation our confidence that we have been regenerated by Jesus Christ 
And it's evidence of Philippians 1, 6, where he says, he who started a good work in you will bring it to completion. So it's it's evidence of their sanctification. Their, it's evidence of their account growing, really. Uh, that's what sanctification is in that sense. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, verses, uh, let's do 18 and 19 together. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So verse 18 is kind of a, a receipt for the Philippian church saying that, hey, I received everything. Epaphroditus gave it to me. Uh, and one of the things that's important is he says is that it's, it's, a, it's a sacrifice, it's a pleasing aroma to God. You know, he's going off that Old Testament imagery of, of from the Pentateuch and the law. Uh, it's really a gift to God. So you think about that in a church. How does that work in the church? You know, how is it when we tithe, we're actually given to a church when really when we tithe, we're, we're, you know, we're paying for AC, we're paying for electricity, we're paying for a pastor, youth pastor, worship leader. Uh, we're paying for the uh, uh, food pantry. You know, we're paying, we're paying for all, I mean, all sorts of stuff. I mean, how is it we're giving to God? Because it's the work of God, right? It's the work of God. Um, so when we pay a pastor, right, and, and it's easier for me to talk about this because I am a pastor, but you know, when we pay a pastor, we're actually paying God. We're saying, God, we want to give this to you. You help us to distribute it the way you see fit. Um, and so when you pay a pastor, because a pastor is, it's a, pastoring is a lot of work. And not only is it stressful, not only is it heavy on your mental health, even your physical health too, but uh, in relation to your mental health, uh, but it, it, it takes a lot of time, like preparing a sermon, you know, like preparing this lesson here. That I'm preaching to you right now. It may not seem like much now, but I spent at least, gosh, maybe five hours, six hours just on this lesson, and I preach twice a week. And uh, you know, like my pastor Mike uh, at my church, he preaches, uh, he preaches an extra time on top of what I preach, you know. And so, and not to mention all the the meetings and and the events we have to plan and uh, all the conversations we have, and and we have to go to we have to counsel people you know it's hard to do and i know this being bivocational because i'm full-time bivocational i'm i'm, I'm a, I have a full-time job at the funeral home but i also pretty much you know you can call it part-time but i'm basically full-time at the church too just talking to the kids reaching out to them trying to visit them being there for them when they're when they're going through struggles you know and making sure i'm, I'm discipling them and that sort of thing and, and then training my leaders and making sure they're ready to go and and, uh, you know, and teaching my intern as we go and that sort of thing. Um, it's a lot of work. And I, I think it's I think if anybody really understood this, they would think and if I think a strong Christian knows that we got to pay our pastor, we've got to pay our pastor. You know, and like my church, you know, like I said, I get paid part time when really the work I'm doing, I should be full time. But the reason I'm confident and comfortable staying at my church is because I know that my church is taking care of me the best they possibly can. Right. So that's a huge difference because I was at a church before where they were taking care of me, but they were doing the least amount they possibly could. Right. Just to, just to keep me there. You know, they weren't doing it to take care of me. They were just doing it because they felt like they had to uh, in order to keep me. Um, you know, and that's not that's not right. That's not how you should treat a pastor, not even just a youth pastor either. Uh, but we give to God. But even God has given us much more than we deserve. Romans 11, 35 through 36. And it says, and who has ever given to God that he should be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. 
So all of our, all the money, it's not that it's our money. It's, it's God's money. We are to be a good steward of God's money. Uh, tithing is just as important for us as the one who gives. Uh, and so he says that, that he's confident. He's confident for, for them as he is for himself, for God, that God will provide all of their needs. And the Philippians probably desperately needed to hear that because they were struggling and being persecuted. They were uh, financially unstable. They were just financially weak and just weak in a lot of different ways. But, uh, you know, and I'm sure we all have been worried and maybe God's not going to show up this time. You know, maybe God's not going to do it this time, but we all know throughout history that God always shows up when he thinks it is right. Um, and maybe we're worried that maybe he wouldn't fix a situation or something. God is doing what he thinks is best. Um, and then you think about that, like the prosperity gospel, you know, I, I hate the prosperity gospel. You know, these guys are getting on TV and say, well, if you'll plant your seed and send this much money and then God will multiply your money and that sort of thing. That's just a bunch of baloney. And I think a lot of those guys aren't even Christians and uh, some of them may even be satanic. You know, they're just taking money from people so they can be comfortable and then using the Bible as their tool to get people to send them money. Uh, the prosperity gospel is dangerous and I'll call them out. Joel Osteen is a prosperity gospel teacher. Uh, Kenneth Copeland is a prosperity gospel teacher. Uh, those are the two top ones off the, off the top of my head. Those guys are teaching the prosperity gospel. You know, I had a friend and she, she interned at a church that her family was at and, uh, and, and they were a prosperity gospel church. If you'll send in this money, we'll heal you, you know? And I wanted to make sure the teenagers and you guys know that are watching and listening to this, you know, if, if, that we need to understand the dangers and the, the negative effects of the prosperity gospel. It's dangerous, it is unhealthy, and it hurts the church, and it hurts the name of Jesus Christ. Anyways, that was my rant on the prosperity gospel. Um, verse 20. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So there's this everlasting bond between Christians with, between Christians with our God and our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a bond with each other. That can never be broken. Uh, and it's so cool. You know, I remember in, in, in college, you know, it was part of fraternity. We had different things, you know, different things that had stayed along, around a long time, like a even a secret handshake, you know. And it's pretty cool that nobody, no matter what year somebody was there, no matter if we didn't know them or not, if they said they were in KTK, everybody knew how to do that handshake, you know. And so there was always things that brought us together. It's the same way with Christians. There's always something that brings us together, and it's Jesus Christ. No matter what our differences are, uh, no matter where we're at, no matter what our culture is like, there's always things that bring us together, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, but God, it has to be the most important part of our lives. And so think about that. Where in our lives, where in your life, is God not the center? Where can God be more the center of your life? Yeah, you think about that. And it's not something I could tell you unless I know you. I could, I could tell you. Um, then because I have the gift of discernment. But uh, think about that. Where in your life is God not the center? Um, so let me read these last few verses. The final greetings. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send your greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Um, so, so Paul's always, you know, he's always very nice to his fellow Christians. Um, <clears throat> and you can see how disloving he is towards them in all of his letters when he writes. Even when he's getting on to them about some very severe things, he's like, I love you guys. You know, I, I love Jesus. I love you. Uh, let's all get together and, and, and serve Jesus Christ together. Um, 
And so when he says all the saints, you know, we're all together. We're all saints because of Jesus Christ. And and he says, uh, uh, where's it at here? He says in verse 23, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is that same grace that transformed the life of Paul. You know, he talks about it in chapter three. You know, he talks about how his life was transformed, how he went from being a devout Jew to being a devout follower of Jesus Christ. You know, it's because of the grace of Jesus Christ. So after the whole letter's over with, you know, just think about, well, you know, was this a hard letter for Paul to write? I'm sure every time Paul wrote a letter, it was hard because he wished he was there with them, but he couldn't be. You know, he couldn't be there with them, so he writes this letter, and he's trying to help them out from afar. And obviously this letter probably helped out a lot because we have it today. If it didn't help or somebody didn't want it, they would have thrown it away, destroyed it or whatever, but it made it. And now we have copies and manuscripts and stuff like that of it, and now we have it in our English Bibles. Um, and, you know, I think he really struggled because he would he would hear about his brothers and sisters in Christ, the other saints in Christ that were struggling. And he felt like there wasn't much he could do except send this letter, give some encouragement and give them some truth and remind them of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And every single letter, that's what he does, reminds them of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. that no matter the situation, we can always, always, always have joy in the Lord and live lives worthy of the gospel. I hope you really enjoyed this. And listen, if you haven't heard all the lessons on Philippians, I challenge you to go back, listen to all of them, and uh, just talk, just listen to what uh, God's Word says and what Paul said to the Christians in Philippi. Uh, what a wonderful letter. Thank you so much for participating and supporting the ministry. Please like, share, subscribe, do whatever you have to do to get this message out there. Uh, so thank you so much. And uh, let me play the closing. And thank you. And we will see you on the next podcast. Thank you so much for watching the Grace Bond Ministries podcast or listening to the podcast. There's various ways that you could be listening to this right now or watching this right now. Uh, but I just want to say thank you so much. And if you would, uh, wherever you're listening, if you're listening on YouTube, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel on um, podcast. Please you know, leave a five star review and uh, write a little thing in there. If you're on Facebook, you know, leave a comment. Uh, let me know how this impacted you or uh, even any other questions or comments or concerns you may have. Um, and also, if you have an idea or you have something you'd really want to talk more uh, deeply about, you can always email me at gracebondministries at gmail.com. But thank you so much. Remember, for it is by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves, for it is the gift of God. Thank you for listening to Grace Bond Ministries. Thank you.